Well, all systems are green up and ready to go. Yes, and that is a little side hint and note also about the fact that WhatsApp, Oculus VR, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, and Facebook itself are back online right about now. But then it's also a green light to the fact that your favorite technology literacy show is up online as well. Welcome to City Trends. On the show today, we'll be talking about scaling and scaling not just in you know technology startup terms, but in scaling in terms of general business terms, and then also for SMEs. And then as well, we'll be looking at how we can all contribute to make a digital economy and a digitally inclusive society possible. Lots of conversations coming up on the show today. You can be a part of the show by simply messaging us on our WhatsApp number, hint, hint, 0549986996. Alternatively, you can message us on the platform that never went down, which is Twitter, using the hashtag CityTrends. That is C-I-T-I-T-R-E-N-D-S. But then before we get into all of that, Let's try and understand what exactly happened with Facebook last night. Now, Facebook said in a blog post on Monday night, because that's when the system eventually came back on. And for some of us, I think it was on Tuesday in the wee hours of the morning, that a six-hour outage that took it offline along with, of course, Instagram, Messenger, WhatsApp, and Oculus VR was the result of a configuration change to its routers, not of a hack or attempt to get at user data. Now, the explanation um, doesn't give much in a way in terms of detail, but it does seem that there was a problem over at Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, who's the CEO of Facebook, did indeed post an apology indicating that the company was sorry for the disruptions that occurred on the day. Now, there have been a number of explanations that's been given, but then the problem appears to have begun with a routine BGP update that went wrong, wiping out the DNS routing information that Facebook needs to allow other networks to find its sites. But then what exactly is this BGP business all about? Well, at the very basic level, BGP is one of the systems that the internet uses to get your traffic to where it needs to go as quickly as possible. Because there are tons of different internet service providers, backbone routers and servers responsible for your data making it to Facebook, for example, there is a ton of different routes your packets could end up taking. Now, the B gp's job is to show them the way and make sure that they choose the best route yes indeed so that is what actually occurred with facebook um facebook is indicating that it's not a data breach and that it was just an issue with the routers and the communication between them so i do hope that puts your mind at ease but it doesn't really hurt for you to change those passwords because you never know anything could have happened so i would strongly advocate that you change and switch up your passwords well with that out of the way let's get straight into the main conversations for the day share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the whatsapp number 054-998-6996 tweet at us using hashtag city
So it's one thing setting up a business and it's a completely different thing moving the business to a point where you're profitable, to a point where you can have an impact, to a point where the whole world knows about you. That point where you move the business from a relatively unknown to something that probably is known globally has different definitions and different ways by which people refer to it. One of the ways that people typically refer to it is scaling. You're scaling the business. And I'm sure someone has approached you at one point in time to talk about how they are looking to scale their business and therefore require some funding or something along the line. Well, what exactly is that scaling bit of that business about? What do you need to know about what happens globally, best practice, what's happening locally? What are some of the lessons that you know, you can pick up as a technology entrepreneur doing the listening right now. And where exactly can you source some of that funding to do that scaling? Well, we are going to be exploring those in just a few minutes on the show. I'll have my guest introduce themselves. And then my first question to him would be, what is scaling? What's that all about? Well, Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm really honored and really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, so my name is Kweku Fleming, and um, I am at MEST Africa. I'm, I'm the MEST scale manager. So I use this term scale all the time. Um, if you're familiar with MEST, you know that we work with startups and, and uh, entrepreneurs. We have a training program. Um, and we, we help to grow great ideas into great businesses. Um, and then we also have an internal seed fund. So we fund the best ideas so that they can have that time to incubate and then grow into a real business. Well, lately now, MEST has started to look beyond startups only into this whole other realm of businesses and focus on this question of scale. So these are no longer startups, but well-established businesses that are operating. They've found their place in the market. Um, they are profitable or have a clear path to profitability. Um, they know their product and they know their customers and they're successful. And they're at the point where beyond just growing, they're now thinking about you know, how do we really multiply the, our impact and scale. So now this word scale comes up. So, so scale. So there's a lot of different definitions for scale. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my definition. And, it, and, and it's uh, largely is a definition that informs the work that we at MEST scale will be doing with companies. So there are many types of growth. Scale is a type of growth. So all growth isn't scale, but all scale, scaling is always about growth. All right, so what, what, what type of growth, growth are we talking about when we say scale? So first of all, if you're talking about scaling, you are really talking about replicating something that's working. Meaning you have been operating, you're successful. Now it's time to scale. So the first characteristic of that is that you're doing business and it's working. All right. So now we're going to be multiplying it. 
and one could say it's like exponentially growing or multiplying what you're doing dramatically. That's the first, that's the next part of scale, that you're growing dramatically. So all growth is in scale. Slow, steady growth. Well, you know, wouldn't, it wouldn't characterize as scale. But, but dr dramatically large, multiple, five times, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, is now scaling. So uh, the, there's a third part of scale. So, you know, the third part of scale is that you're doing this replicating. You're doing this growth, but as you're doing it, you re you're recognizing that you become more efficient. So the, the first time that you, that you build this, this unit that you're now going to be scaling, you put a lot of resources, a lot of time. It wasn't hard. You couldn't figure. You had to figure it out. You made some mistakes. You went back. You went forth, and you've invested a lot. When you're scaling, you're not going to be wasting those resources, using those resources again. Rather, you're going to be replicating in a way that's dramatically more efficient. So you'll see, for instance, you're efficient. It'll cost you less to gain each new customer or you will, be, you will be experiencing greater margins as you're scaling up. So the next, you know, the first 10, the next 10 copies, if it's the next 10 groups of clients or groups of, or the next 10 locations that you open up, um, you're gonna do so and it's gonna, you're gonna have much better unit economics, right? Each one is gonna cost you less, which means you're gonna have uh, higher margins, greater profits. So there's the three, I would call it those three things put together, right? Having the unit that you've worked on and it's, and it's now operating, it's working. One, Re um, and replicating that. Two, in a way that causes you to dramatically grow. And three, you're growing in size or customers or, or you know, uh, income. Three, you're doing it more efficiently, so at a at lower cost. Does it then mean that all businesses can scale? Well, well, it's a it's a good question. I mean, I'm an optimist. You know, I would like to say all businesses can scale, but the first question is, do all businesses even want to scale? Right? Not all businesses want to scale. So let's just focus on those businesses. You know, what I mean by that is um, your restaurant is a fine dining restaurant. It is great. Everyone loves it. You make good profits. You, you are the talk of the town, right? Even you're the talk of, let's say, the world. Everyone travels. When you come to this country, you must go to this restaurant. Right? And you, you, to, you, if you just show up there, you won't get in because you didn't make a reservation. Right? So meaning, the, you know, they're successful, they have um, volumes of clients, they're not hurting, they're happy. Do you want to scale? Well, maybe not. Right? So the first point is, scaling is not for everyone. Do you want to grow? Well, yeah, maybe I'd like to, we'd like to have 50% uh, more customers next year in our and out, you know, to serve them, what, and we'll do what we need to do so we can accommodate that. So yeah, growth, perfect. Not all companies want to scale. So that's that's, that, that's, that's a very interesting way of looking at it because then 
you, you, I get the sense that quite a number of businesses probably have a very huge misunderstanding of the concept of scaling. And sometimes it just becomes a buzzword for a buzzword's sake. It, it, it is a buzzword. It is a bit of a buzzword. And, and, and I also, you know, caution, caution myself even to say, this is our definition of scale because there are many others who are using a different definition of scale. But we're making a point of there's a distinction between growth and scale. All growth isn't scale. So what is it about scale? And it's because to do, to, to succeed at scale is identifying, you know, one of the first important parts is to identify the thing that you would call that, that really successful unit, unit, that scalable unit that we will become really efficient at replicating, right? It's, that, it's a type and a strategy for growing by replicating with greater efficiency in very large numbers this thing that you've already worked out. That's how we're finally de defining scale. Now it's in that conversation we talk about, well, what strategies will you use? So not every company, not every enterprise is going to even have that desire to do that kind of growth. There'll be other kinds of growth they're, they're interested in, right? So, but we take the time to define this because uh, it's interesting because we, we know there are many companies that want to scale. You know, when you hear of a franchise, perfect example, I mean, you know, a model of scaling is through franchise. You have the unit that works, you have people who will buy into a franchise, they'll take that working unit with all of its instructions, all of its resources already, already in place, and it makes it so much easier, more efficient, for them to then replicate this working model. Perfect, that's growth through scale. It's not the only way that you can grow. Absolutely, it definitely isn't. And um, I'm just wondering, um, because you, know, you reference SMEs as well, um, what are some of the you know, peculiar challenges that um, you've noticed being in Ghana for as long as you have and sort of looking through the scenery? What are some of these peculiar challenges that typically pop up to you and for which reason you feel that you know, some of these interventions um, are necessary? So it, it's interesting for, for companies, entrepreneurs in Ghana, um, you know, we face a lot of different challenges and we all know that. We, the, the first thing for me to think about in, in this domain is that we in Ghana are in a global marketplace and we are literally competing against the best of the best in, our, in these markets across the globe, right? I mean, our direct competitors in many cases will be a company that's sitting in Silicon Valley or a company that's sitting in uh, China who have the direct clients, uh, they're directly serving the clients here in, in, in Accra. And here we are knocking on their door with a service. It has to stand up against it. So in the, when we think about challenges, for me, the, one, the first one I name is one about our value chains. I, for any successful, and I have a lot of respect for entre successful entrepreneurs in Ghana, for every successful entrepreneur who builds a successful business in Ghana, they've done it in an environment where most likely 
they are filling in the gaps of some of their suppliers or right or they're they're dealing with the rough um mailing or data infrastructure that we all have have handicapping us despite that right despite the fact that they they're they're the other people in their value chain the other people their, their suppliers the people they work with the people they work they collaborate with to to produce the product or the service that they that they give to their customers no company does that alone you always are pulling in resources from the rest of your value chain and unfortunately for us our other partner companies even if we're very strong will tend not to be so strong because they are also dealing with the same challenges right and it's just not easy so once you see you 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 can in Ghana and in this region deliver a great product and your customers are really happy you have to know had we been in another ecosystem where everything works you call you know xup data your your package arrives at your at your door you pull it in every the timing works well if we had been that same entrepreneur had been in that ecosystem they would have their success would have been much faster and, and larger uh, so i raised that one as the first first challenge um, that we're dealing with fragmented not so strong ecosystems and infrastructure I can't mail a letter or a, a, a package and know that it's going to get to and track it and know it's going to get to. Yet it's coming, so we're all working on that. Um, first one. There's another one around just the as an entrepreneur. I think we have brilliant talent and brilliant minds in Ghana here and in the region, and we know that because we can see. Ghanaians, and we can see ourselves all over the world doing great things. Right now, today, our benches are not deep here in Accra, in Ghana, full of talent that's ready to operate at global standard, or I should say compete against their, their colleagues that are doing the same work in other places. So I would say for uh, entrepreneurs who are now preparing to grow their businesses, they know they've got to find, generally growing means increasing your, your, your team. Finding good, good talent that's ready to step in, on a, in in a company that's scaling isn't so easy. So that's another second, that's a, the, a second important challenge. I'm trying to hold off on this other one, which has to do with, it's, 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 it's on everyone's, you know, tip of everyone's mouth every time you ask, well, what, you know, what do you need so that you can scale? And it's, you know, we need financial support. Scaling costs money. Growing costs money. So being able to fund growth. Well, this has to do with, you know, are our systems in place for entrepreneurs to share their story and find financial partners, either for, through the, the banking system, through the investment community, you know, or, um, or internally. So the challenges are plenty around that because we don't have comparatively, again, we're competing against these, the same kind of players in other ecosystems. Comparatively, we just don't have the um, activity in our investment community that, supp that supports and funds growth, much less scale, 
uh, here in Ghana and, and, and West Africa. Is, is that where the, the accelerator program is, is coming into, into effect then? Yes. So that's where, that's where we thought it is important to address all of the challenges and not just the funding challenge. In fact, in developing the, the program, and one of the reasons I put funding late is because even if funding is available, there's still other challenges that need to be solved, uh, the, the operations and ecosystems, and, and having a great, a, a great plan and strategy have to be in place anyway. And so um, our, the MEST scale accelerator will focus on a, a, just a few things to, to s help make sure ventures are ready to if, be effective in their scaling agenda. So the first th thing that we do with companies is a, a scale readiness diagnostic or really a, a comprehensive look under the hood, right, to understand what's working, what's working beautifully, and then where are the challenges. With our mind is, as we think about scaling, what will be those gaps that will cause us really to, to be hindered in that effort? So this kind of diagnostic activity happens at the very uh, beginning. When we do that, as since MEST, we, you know, we're deep in, in technology and integrating technology and innovation to help grow, establish and grow businesses. So in this diagnostic, we'll take, take a special look at if there are any technology gaps that if they were filled would make it much easier for you to, your company to scale. And then the third, this is still foundational, but this builds the foundation for a company to be ready to scale, is we, we would want to focus on what is your plan for scale. Again, all growth is in scale. We are focused on scaling, so we'll find and work with those companies that know they want to replicate and, and grow extremely fat, uh, large. And, um, and so having a strategy isn't always the obvious what that strategy might be and we will come in and support the companies in developing and articulating and setting down that strategy. When that's done, the entrepreneur, the companies know, okay, this is where we're going on our scale. It should likely, it will likely be different than what they had initially planned in terms of we're going to grow, grow and grow big because our focus is really for scaling growth. And, and from your explanation, it's clear that a lot of this also is, is, is why there seems to be a focus on SMEs as well, yes. you know, and I, I don't know if that, because I mean, the mess we know is, you know, been dealing mostly with technology startups and things like that, but the coming into effect and coming into play of SMEs, it, from your explanation of what the focus of the accelerator program is, it kind of makes sense why SMEs will be considered now. Absolutely, absolutely, and this is really important. It's w we think that there is we know that there's certainly a, a there's attention and focus and even funding increasingly at the startup stage here in Ghana. When 
once the companies have succeeded in their startup and they're getting into growth stage and then moving to, to the next stage of growth, which might be scale, you look around and there's, not, there's nowhere near the level of engagement, interest, and funding. We know there's a gap there and that's why we're coming to those companies because we know that gap is there. We want to be a partner and help them to negotiate that whole stage given that there's so little attention and focus there. So let's say someone is doing the listening and wants to be a part of the program. What, what would you say would be the, the key benefits for which reason they should really consider being a part of the accelerator program? I think the benefits actually start with this idea, the notion that you're not going to be alone in this journey, right? So when a partner like MEST comes on board, we also have been working with experts and mentors for many years here in Ghana. True focus on the startup, but nevertheless, with the bench of business advisors who are interested now to look at this later stage of companies. Um, so the fact that as you establish your plan for scaling up, you have someone in there with you to bat ideas off with, to, make, to share, uh, share the time with you in making tough decisions. Um, I would say that, I would put that first as the most important uh, benefit. Along with that is this, this sense of, okay, establishing a clear path to scale may be new to many of these companies. And so having, um, a, it's, it's similar, having that partner on, at the table with you is an important benefit. Now, when we've identified the path and we also know where the gaps are, we at MESS know how important it is to fill those gaps, to address the problems. And so the next important benefit, I think, is that uh, we'll, we'll have a core of experts who will then come in and, and on a bespoke basis, every company is different, look at your greatest challenge or challenges to skill. And literally roll up, roll, become a, like a member of your team, roll up the sleeves and get in and address that issue with you. This is in preparation of being able to scale. So I would put that as the second most important benefit. I see, I see that's a very um, plausible and clear cut um, you know, um, option for anybody who has been considering scaling, you know, and in, in the definition that uh, you, you, did, you did give. Um, well, listeners, you're still tuned into City Trends on 97.3 City FM. We're having a conversation about scaling um, the scaling gospel according to MEST, you know, because it, it definitely has its own definition, but it's a very legitimate definition that MEST has given it. And if you're an SME, you are, you know, looking at expanding and growing and um, scaling according to the gospel of MEST, well, this is the conversation you should be tuning into. Now, um, how, how will a company know that, um, I mean, you, you've, you've mentioned the criteria and what they'll probably need to consider. But um, how, how can an SME be part of this experience? Well, it's easy. You, you just, if, if it sounds like something that 
is for you, then you just contact us at, at MEST, uh, meltwater.org, and, and express your interest. Then you'll get this, this short list of instructions. You just follow those instructions. You'll see that there is an um, application form. It's not elaborate. It just gets to the point uh, of the information that's needed that allows you to share your, your, what it is you'd like to get out of such a program. What describing your company, what you do, uh, and what what form of scaling or growth you you would interest you to work on. Um, and that applicate our applications are open unt uh, until the October 18th, and so it's something you want to do quickly. Look at and see if it's if it's for you, um, and then um, you know we would take a look at the companies that are expressing interest. We'll look at uh, our, it's bespoke, so we'll look at the needs that exist and from that make a de decision on some small group of companies, um, 10 to 15, which would seem to match with our capabilities of providing the important support that's needed. Are, are there any particular sectors you know, you're looking at or is it something general? Well, this was really important for us. We're sector agnostic. We're not just looking for tech companies anymore, right? What we realize is that um, you could be a manufacturer and scaling is important, um, and it could be some gap in technology that you have as a manufacturer. You might have as a retail chain, uh, operation, um, and so you don't have to be in tech but you might have a tech challenge that might be interesting. Or you could be in tech, right? And um, you, you, might, you might really benefit from having some form of technology in your scaling agenda that isn't a part of your product, right? So, um, but I don't wanna just focus on solutions in tech. You could be in agri-Greek and already have tech and that not be a challenge for you, but you're interested to scale up your agricultural business. Um, and you really focus on scale, so yes, you would also be. It's sector agnostic. Whatever your area can still be relevant. What's more important is that you be established, you're successful, that, you, that you're ready to scale and grow, that you have a management team right along with you as a, as a CEO or the founder, that you have a management team with you because scale will, will put a demand on your resources. You'll need, it's not one person alone, it's a management team that will work together. So if you have that, and we'll look for that, if you have a management team, um, if you're operating in Ghana, if you're headquartered in Accra, in particular for now, although this will be nationwide, but right now, out, you know, we want to make sure we can deliver the resources and we're located here in Accra. And, um, and, so, and regardless what your industry is, you, you know, this might be the perfect program for you still. Well, I mean, that, that puts a lot of questions out of my mind, especially about the program. But before we finally say goodbye, any final things you would want to make sure that anyone who is interested in being a part of the Accelerator program walks away from this conversation knowing in their mind? Sure. Well, I'd, I'd like to say that, um, well, first of all, 
we're doing this mess scale in partnership with MasterCard. And what MEST and MasterCard have in common is this commitment to really having a positive impact on the Ghanaian ecosystem and economy. And entrepreneurship, we know, is a key um, engine for the growth of economies. So um, in, in that vein, I, I, we've been committed to this idea of really identifying the, the types of companies and the, and the industries um, that if they should grow, would be able to create jobs or create industry and economy, not just within their own, but within their own company, but then also with their suppliers or the people who they engage with, right? So we're looking for this multiplier effect over the long run to help grow and sustain our economy. So um, I would just have to say that um, at, this is the beginning days. We're not sure exactly how everything will look, but what we are sure is that MEST as a partner, we've proven this through the years, is a great partner to have. And because, just for the very reason that we always get committed and we always roll up our sleeves and become a part of your full team. So if that's what you're looking for as a company, as an entrepreneur, then definitely check us out with MetScale. Well, MetScale at um, M-E-S-T-S-C-A-L-E at meltwater.org. That is um, the website or the email address you should be emailing and requesting for more information. Or you can simply visit the website meltwater.org slash MetScale for more information well if you are an sme if you are a business owner um, looking to scale in a way that mess defines scaling well this is the sort of program you should be interested in get involved build that business scale that business and let's build giants um where um giants were never thought it would be possible to come from Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. But sometimes you want to get away from talking about just the gadgets and everything else. Sometimes it's important to talk about skills training. Sometimes it's important to talk about policy. Sometimes it's important to expand the conversation beyond what everybody seems to think tech is. Because really, tech is life. And to be able to appreciate life properly, you need to get everybody on board. But how exactly do you do that in such a fast-paced environment where sometimes some of the topics are so difficult to break down? Well, the training is important. The understanding and the people giving the training is also really, really critical. But then another side of it is the ownership of the solution. Well, we're trying to understand all these three in this conversation we're going to have. We're going to be talking about inclusive digital economies and the society in the interview today. And I'm going to have my guests introduce themselves, and then we're going to jump straight into the conversation. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Regina Bauks. I'm the country director of GIZ in Ghana. Yes, good morning also from my side. My name is Johanna Hartung and I'm leading the Digital Transformation Center 
as uh, part of the Programme for Sustainable Economic Development in GIZ. I always like it when the, um, the titles are long. It, 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 it tells you just how much work goes into what you do on a daily basis. But um, I guess my first question will be, um, what, what, would you, what would you define or what would you explain as an inclusive digital economy and society? What does it mean for a country like Ghana? Yeah, thank you for this question. I mean, when we are short, then I would say an inclusive digital economy and society is achieved when everyone can access and use digital t technologies to participate socially and economically. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the Internet and digital technologies, they have a great potential for economies and for econo uh, economic uh, opportunities and social empowerment because it offers access to important information and services, for example, in the health sector, or um, knowledge and education, for example, e-learning. And uh, we have experienced that now during the COVID uh, uh, times, social and economic participation by selling online. Everybody knows that, and also financial services. However, this trends towards digitalization also comes with risks. And one of the biggest is that existing inequalities identify, uh, um, intensify. And um, as long as the internet exists, there have been digital divides between urban and rural areas, between women and men, and between young and old, everywhere, everywhere in the world. And uh, according to data from the Research Institute, Research ICT in Africa, in Ghana, for out of 10 people in urban areas have access to the internet, whilst it is less than 10 out of two, while, whilst it is less than two out of 10 people in rural areas. And it's more than three out of 10 men that have access to internet, whilst it is only two out of 10 women who have access. So internet access is only one element of the digital divides. Other barriers uh, include affordability. This is the cost of data and devices. The quality of connectivity in digital skills, all of which prevent people from fully benefiting from the opportunities that digital technologies offer. So in comparison to other countries on the continent, Ghana is, I would say, on a good way. And what is more important is also that the government is well aware of these divides and has taken uh, a number of measures over the last years. And uh, one of the most important measures has been the setup of the Ghana Investment Fund for Electronic Communications, the GIFIC, one of our partners. And one of the key achievements has been the setup of 226 community ICT centers in the region. And these centers are equipped with computers and internet service and expected to provide business services and access to information. So digital inclusion can therefore be achieved by accelerating progress in closing this digital divide I was talking about and which means expanding connectivity digital skills and promoting digital platforms and entrepreneurship. And it does seem like um, it is such a 
broad area to cover i mean there are so many different components to it and i was just wondering if you could give us an idea of what those components actually are if you could just highlight them and then probably we can get into where ghana sits with those various um um broad areas that we're supposed to cover to be able to be to be seen or to be able to identify ourselves as a digitally inclusive economy and society yeah. um another key aspect is um the the growth of the local it industry um even beyond the boundaries of ghana in order to achieve economic growth um and then a third uh, element i would say is the the quality quality and efficiency of digital services, both from the public, but then also from the private sector side in order to achieve productivity. These um, would be the three main areas. And then we, when it comes to the, the digital economy and the role of the government and other actors, we always speak about the so-called enabling environment, yeah. which mm -hmm. is made out of the kind of the enabling policies and regulations, but also aspects like accessibility of finance um, for young entrepreneurs in the sector, for local IT firms. And then it's also the enabling environment also um, uh, consists of the infrastructure part, of course, and then also a culture that is supportive of digitalization and, and entrepreneurship. I've always meant to, you know, I, I always get into that position where um, I sometimes question, you know, what that enabling environment is because then it, ch it sort of changes definition depending on how you're, you're, you're looking at it. And I guess at the end of the day, it's just supposed to hopefully translate into making sure that there's almost sort of like a, uh, almost sort of like a level playing field where everybody can get access to a certain number of resources where they can thrive and, you know, explore their, um, the opportunities that are made available. And I'm guessing that is, that is one of those critical um, things that we find. Um, I guess my next question would be, and you, you did mention the fact that Ghana sits pretty well when you look at the African sub-region. From some of the other places where you typically operate from, um, when you compare the situation to Ghana, how, how does Ghana compare with regards the creation or the, the, the enabling of that sort of environment for us to thrive in a digital economy, a digital society? Yeah. Um, I think in, in Ghana, there are a big number of, of prerequisites uh, that are already there. Um, there is... Uh, a government which has understood the value of uh, digital technologies um, for, for development and is putting that as a kind of priority um, also in their, in their action. There are a number of um, other stakeholders, we call them intermediaries, that is the innovation hubs, the um, incubators and accelerators that also support young entrepreneurs and startups in coming up with digital solutions that provide um, services and access for the the population and we have in ghana and i think this is really special a network of these innovation hubs all over the country there are more than 40 and you find them in in every regional city and and sometimes even beyond 
um, providing a space for for young entrepreneurs for co-working but then also to get trainings um, and when we talk about digital skills is what there are two things that are relevant one is the the digital skills to kind of handle devices but then there's also always the business skills which is important for 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 entrepreneurs um, and then um, we have had we have talked about the government we have talked about the intermediaries and then also uh, the local IT industry which is uh, doing well uh, in Ghana from our perspective where and we're already um, emerging technologies like artificial intelligence uh, like the internet of things um, like drones that there are Ghanaian uh, companies that are involved in this and then so that we have definitely in Accra and and also beyond um, an ecosystem of, of actors that are uh, working on all these topics um, and from our perspective what is further needed is to further bring the the different actors and stakeholders together um, to create more synergies um, uh, we also have um, as a side note, a number of development partners and international organizations in the field in Ghana. And uh, we can achieve much more when we work together. And is also necessary because um, there is such a huge need out there. And this is really, from our perspective, the question of digital skills, which is the driving force behind the digital economy. There is such a big need for, for basically everyone um, to acquire these digital skills and also to reskill because technology is, uh, is changing so fast and with such a high speed that uh, one training is, won't never be enough. So uh, the need is big and that also requires uh, stakeholders to work together. One one of the things I also wanted to ask about was I mean we this won't be the first time there's a conversation about stakeholders finding synergies working together to grow the ecosystem this won't be the first time we always have these conversations all the time but something something seems to happen that just doesn't make the synergy work and I'm just wondering from where you sit, from your experiences in countries like Rwanda, like you, were, you mentioned earlier, and, and some of the other countries where you're operational in, what do you think is missing um, in, in, that, in that search for um, the, 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 the right ingredients to make this, the synergy work? What, what do you think is missing within the Ghanaian tech ecosystem that once, if we are able to find those ingredients, and add it to the soup, everything would just be magical. Not sure if we had found the silver bullet, um, but uh, as you had mentioned, Rwanda. One one thing is striking about Rwanda is is the national vision around uh, digitalization. There's this very clear smart Rwanda master plan, and all activities, uh, definitely from government, but also from other actors following these smart Rwanda master plan. Now, um, in Ghana, we have the um, 
ICT for Accelerated Development Policy from 2003, um, which is compared to the technolo technological change that is happening, kind of quite old. Um, and so there is uh, a need for an updated version and a national vision um, of what digitalization can bring to the economy and to the society as a whole. If, if, I, may, if I may just ask, there's, I, there's a clearly a responsibility from the national and the policy side. There's also a responsibility from the private sector as well. I mean, because you know, the policy can be there, it can be great, it can be updated every two minutes, whichever. But then the local players, the, the, the private sector also have a certain responsibility to make sure that you know, they are in line with, you know, that national policy eventually to get to the Mecca that we're looking for. I don't know what your thoughts are um, from your observations about how the local tech scene and the players within the local sector are sort of working together to make sure that, you know, that synergy is even possible. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, we also see this responsibility from the private sector side. Um, specifically in developing services that reach out to the millions of Ghanaians that I have might have not yet been reached out to. Um, and um, one, one stakeholder that we are, have been starting to work together with is the, is the Chamber of Technology, an association of IT firms. And from, from our perspective, uh, that's that's a very good way to go um, for the private sector firms also to come together um, and raise their voice in national in the national kind of policy dialogue, but also work together on um, kind of questions of capacity building. Then one very important part for from our side is always the question of gender equality in digitalization. So how can also within the private sector firms gender equality be um, strengthened um, and then also how they can further reach out to uh, uh, women also as customers. And um, there was one last thing that I wanted to ah, uh, And I think um, in Ghana, what we can also see in the Chamber of Technology is the, the fintechs that have gone already a great way um, there to, to develop products um, that, that reach out uh, to customers, including women. I, I was going to explore further on the issue of the women, and um, I don't, would, would, would you be in a position to, to speak about that? Because, um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's such an important part of building any ecosystem or any country. And in terms of the female participation within the tech ecosystem as well, um, would you be able to shed some, some insight from your learnings from some of the other countries that you are operational in or you've been, you've been to in terms of building capacity and everything? How, first of all, how critical is it? And secondly, how can we improve on the numbers and the, um, the participation of women within um, the ecosystem that we're trying to build? Very important uh, point for us, um, also as the German government has put this on the agenda of the, of the G20 in 2017, already the E-Skills for Girls initiative. And um, from our perspective is a question all over the world. 
um, in developed in developing countries um, to remove the barriers for women's participation in at different levels in the IT sector. Um, so barriers often include that um, there is less. Uh, it, it starts all with basic education. Um, it also uh, has the cultural and cultural barriers and, and stereotypes about women in tech. Um, and it then kind of translates to uh, inequalities both in kind of IT firms, um, specifically then in the startup sector, looking at female founders, um, looking at the accessibility of female founders to uh, get financing and um, and money and then in Ghana what is uh, very important like looking a bit at us at a different target groups is the women entrepreneurs that have not yet kind of digitalized their business at all we have seen in 2019 an important study from uh, the MasterCard Foundation that Ghana is one of the countries on the continent with the most female entrepreneurs. And, and these, this is a big group that is not working yet with any digital technologies. But this is the group that uh, also we want to, want to target and look at kind of their level of digital skills and how can they use digital school tools uh, for bookkeeping, for marketing their products online, for selling their products online. Um, this, this is something for us that is the next step kind of to go. Well, listeners, you're still tuned in to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. And we are having a conversation about um, the desire and what it takes to actually build an inclusive digital economy and society. We're having a conversation with folks from GIZ who happen to play a very crucial role. As we found out last week, for example, um, in our conversation about startups, they have a very crucial role to play um, in terms of assisting with funding and access to funding and access to markets in Ghana and in some other African countries. And we're trying to glean some of their experiences um, from these African countries to see how best we can develop um, something similar in, in Ghana. Then my, my, my next question would be on the implementation and sustainability of some of these projects that, you know, typically shoot up as a result of consultations that have, have gone on. What, what usually is the plan, you know, in terms of ensuring that um, the things that are discussed, the things that are initiated, for example, you have a skills training center that you are looking at doing. How do you ensure that it becomes sustainable on its own? How do you ensure that it's, it's beneficial to the community over the period? I mean, because you can't be there all the time, you know? So how, what, what are some of the things that you would typically do to ensure that projects that, you know, you either fund or are a part of are sustainable even beyond yourself. We are not working in a bubble because as a, a governmental uh, institution under also 
the um, steering of our ministry, we are working uh, within agreements between governments. And that means also that during governmental negotiations, and we have had the last negotiations two weeks ago, the two governments, they they decide in which areas they want to work and we always work within the policies and strategies of the Ghanaian government and I think we have mentioned some of them as a startup strategy for example. So that means within this we have already an umbrella within uh, the, organis uh, within the uh, strategies and policies of um, the government. But you have to do the implementation and in order to do the F implementation you have to have partners and these partners are uh, on the governmental side and in in our case our uh, main partner is the ministry of communications and digitalization and you have to work with the implementing structures of these uh, uh, ministries and in in our case also i have already mentioned the gifec but also the agra digital center <laughs> This indeed is where we draw the curtains down on the show. My name is Philip Ashon. It's been a pleasure coming your way. A big thank you to the production team as well for helping to make the show possible. The show will be available as a podcast first thing tomorrow morning. But then till next week, stay techy.